Whoever was the first to say, "'Tis better to give than to receive," obviously never was up for an Oscar. Now they're wonderful. They all have their Oscars. But are they happy? Hello, and welcome back to the Snub Club, the podcast where we talk about the movies of the most Oscar noms. Uh, no wins whatsoever. Call me Seal because we have a kiss from Danny to the listeners. Hello, motherfucker. <laughs> We're not an exclusive podcast. Joe, believe that. Then believe it. It's Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> Our Lenny episode is explicit. <laughs> I'm your hoochie woman, Caleb. <laughs> That's also offensive somehow. <laughs> I looked That's it up slur. before. Is I think I'm slur? good. Doesn't that just mean like a loose woman? Yeah, it just means it's like, you know, it's like slut. <laughs> All right. We're back, of course, for more snubbing, more clubbing. And we are still in. The 52nd? Yes, the 52nd Academy Awards. All right. So I never did the countdown last week, because last time, because we were the, um, the, the Oscar talk, you know, about the current Oscar. So I'm going to do the long countdown now, because I never did it last time. So the 52nd Academy Awards, nine nominations was Kramer versus Kramer. It won five. Won Best Picture, Best Director for Robert Benton, Best Actor for Dustin Hoffman, Best Supporting Actress for Meryl Streep, and Best Adapted Screenplay. Then another film had nine nominations. All that jazz. It won four. Best Adapted Score, Best Costume Design, Best Art Direction, and Best Film Editing. All that jazz, sidebar. Best edited film I've seen in my life. Possibly. Definitely in the top five. So, good one. Then of eight nominations was Apocalypse Now. It won two. One was Best Cinematography, and of course it won Best Sound, because if you're in film school, you're going to watch one scene from Apocalypse Now over and over again to learn how sound works in a film. Uh, then with five nominations, is Breaking Away. It won one, Best Original Screenplay. And then there were three films with four nominations. One of them was Norma Ray. It won Best Actress for Sally Field. Best Original Song for It Goes Like It Goes. Oh, and that's it. I don't know. I was reading the next one on the same line by accident. Then with four nominations and no wins was the China Syndrome. But we already did an episode on that. And there's another film with four nominations and no wins. And that was The Rose. Sarah, what was The Rose nominated for? Um, Well, The Rose is nominated for Best Actress for Bette Midler. She lost to Sally Field for Norma Rae. She's also nominated for The Boys for, for The Boys in 1991. The boys. Best supporting Amazon. Not sponsored. Uh, <laughs> Best supporting actor for Frederick Forrest, who lost to Melvin Douglas for being there. Best film editing for Robert L. Wolf and Carol Timothy O'Meara. They lost to Alan Heim for all that jazz. Uh, Wolf was nominated two more times. And best sound for Theodore Soderbergh, Douglas Williams, Paul Wells, and Jim Webb. They lost to Walter Murch, Mark Mark Berger. Uh, Richard Banks and Nat Boxer for Apocalypse Now. Soderbergh was nominated four more times. Williams was nominated three more times and won one for Patton in 1970. Wells was also nominated for The Turning Point in 1977. And Webb won one for All the President's Men in 1976. Okay, well, 
Let me tell you this story. Story about the Rose. And by that I mean the 52nd Academy Awards. So as I mentioned last time we did the ceremony review, we've unfortunately got to the part of the, the show where now the Wikipedia articles all just say, here's what the reviews of the ceremony were in the newspaper, which I find fully uninteresting and la- lacking any interesting tidbits to talk about. With the exception of the stat that, of course, um, this is the year where we have the youngest person nominated for an Oscar and Best Supporting Actor, Justin Henry, for his role in Kramer vs. Kramer, age eight years old. Good job, Justin. Why couldn't you win? Why couldn't you win? Come on the podcast, Justin. Is he alive? We should definitely he's check. Alive? He is. He's definitely probably still he's 52. alive. He's 52. What does he do right now? I want to say Oh, he founded a film festival. That's cool. Oh. He founded I'm sorry, Sam. Sl- me, me just completely slandering him, being like, I think he was on drugs. He was on ER. His last performance was... <laughs> An episode of On Cinema. Uh, <laughs> so that makes sense. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, The Rose is the story right. of Janis Joplin with the serial numbers the filed off. They couldn't get the permission from the family to make it an official biopic, so they just changed some names and fictionalized it. Um, Bette Midler plays Mary The Rose. She's a blues rock musician who is burnt out on her career. She wants to take a year off, but her manager is uh, keeps bullying her into not doing that. Then one day after a meeting with uh, another uh, singer goes awry, she hops in the back of a car and starts driving to New York with the driver. She falls in love with the driver. They have an on and off again thing. It ends with her having relapsing into heroin addiction uh, before having a big concert at in her hometown. And then the framing devices, the people going into her house after she's uh, overdosed. I will begin on this. My main thought while watching this is I spoke too soon on our episode about Lady Sings the Blues. So here we have another Sueto this is more like, you know, not entirely a bio- biopic, but it definitely gets the feel of one near the end. I think this film works more when it's being like a Star Wars born riff, but in reverse. Um, but that's also just because I like both versions of a Star Wars born I've seen. So it's like, okay, cool. A romance with a jerk. Great. I'm used to this setting. This is much more my vibe of the film. Unfortunately, the film does feel like a biopic throughout, even if it isn't a much more truncated time span, does have one really nice cameo in it. Uh, But I don't know. I was bored. I think I didn't hate it, but I just definitely didn't love it either. You know, one of those things. Oh, well, I mean, I was just gonna say I thought this movie was pretty bad. I thought Bette Fiddler, Turf Queen was pretty bad. (laughs) Um, Um... it was very not. I mean, Beverly <laughs> just basically screams the whole movie um, to varying effect. Uh, I was kind. I kind of liked the romance aspect of it, but then of course it turns abusive. Um, I just didn't really. It did feel. It did kind of feel like a Star Is Born, but I didn't personally enjoy that. Overall, not not 
my favorite by any means. I think there are a few moments when the movie could have been good if it decided to kind of follow along certain conceptual paths. But really, it's just like, take the third act of any music biopic, just cut out the part where like they're becoming famous and stretch that out. And I thought at first maybe I'd like that because like the worst parts of music biopics always are the rise to fame. Um, but no, if you take the third act of a movie and you make it the whole movie, it just becomes kind of a, a drag to get through. I, I got a counterpoint to though. You're right. But the worst part of biopics is that. But the best part of A Star is Born 2018 is that hour of build up to becoming famous. Yeah, but that's not a biopic. <laughs> yes, but this feels like this jumps back and forth between feeling like a biopic and feeling like this is what I'm saying. It does feel like a Star is Born to me a lot of times. And the other reason I say that is personally, I forgot to say this. The best part of this movie to me are this and I want to be clear, not by the end. By the end of it, I was tired of the movie and I was like ready for it to be done and I just kept going. But in the beginning, when it's just her concert and I just get to watch her concert, I enjoyed those scenes. She's a decent She's not a decent I'm not going to call Bette Midler a decent singer. She's a good singer. And I find them shot compellingly and I like the music. Like, is this not what these movies are meant to be before we get in a plot line? Like, I mean... I don't think you're wrong. I mean, I personally didn't like it, but I do feel like it becomes very blatantly like, what if this was Janis Joplin? Like, it does not feel like it feels like so like like I'm watching like the last waltz or like any concert movie. Like, it doesn't feel like it feels like a concert movie, which is cool. It's but it's also what like, I'm watching. <laughs> it feels like disingenuous. I don't know. It just and especially because Bette Miller is like not like she's not like this. It's just such a weird disconnect. I um I did eventually just like accept that was Bette Midler, but it was kind of distracting for a little bit. Because I'm like, this isn't beaches. But um Beaches, beaches. <laughs> Sorry, these kids keep singing this damn song whenever this, we give them peaches at breakfast. I I think that the concert stuff usually is the strongest stuff in the movie, but still I don't know. There's a there's a little movie called the Monterey Pop Festival. And you can actually see Janis Joplin perform if you watch that movie. Uh, and it's really good. So it was kind of, I don't know, it just felt kind of like a pale imitation. But I get it. It's like you're coming out of the end of the 70s. Like there is an era of rock that is ending. Like what, like hair metal is about to be a thing. You know, you're going to get new wave. So rock as we kind of conceptualize it is kind of coming to the end of the era so at least retroactively it would be interesting to kind of have this like post-mortem of it through this movie the problem is is i i just feel like it never commits to a plot line it never commits to like her career coming on the decline it never commits to this relationship they have like they just kind of keep repeating the same four scenes over and over again well what I will say about The Rose is I would like the spinoff movie. I like how I asked you what you were saying. I immediately just changing the subject. Uh, I would like a spinoff movie from the perspective of this humble country singer played by Harry Dean Stanton who sees this harlot performing his songs. And he goes, I would never like to meet that woman in my life. She's terrible and then he walks into his dressing room one day and there she is flirting with his son 
I will say, so there were two nominated performances in this movie. Harry Dean's stand just completely blows them out of the water in like one two minute scene. He's just so much more interesting. Such Harry Dean Stanton is the definition of a one scene wonder in this movie. He shows up, does the work probably in like three hours on set, leaves the movie, gets the and credit because <laughs> he is a. This is the same year as Alien for him, you know. So like, mm-hmm. and like obviously Harry and Dean Stanton is like one of the great character actors and him as a country singer just makes sense like perfect casting and yeah i i would like he show, as i was saying he shows up immediately i want to watch his movie on um, paris texas on one screen lucky on the other <laughs> is this pre paris texas or post yeah paris texas is in the 80s mm. i'm pretty sure let me double check that Paris, Texas is not listed. Oh, it is. Oh, 1984. Yeah, you're right. I forget he's in Last Temptation of Christ. You know, he does this again later on in his career, too. I just remembered his role in the straight story that makes me cry. He does this constantly. I haven't seen the, the Avengers yet. When he appears in the Avengers, best scene of the movie. The is, he the guy who's like, is he the guy who's like, hey, you better stop being mean to Iron Man? <laughs> No, no, he's the guy who goes, son, you've got a condition to, like, the Hulk. I don't remember that. I just remember when Loki's like, I'm so mean, and then there's that old guy that's like, you better stop that. No, no, that's someone else. Uh, the, it, the Hulk crashes into this warehouse where he, Harry Dean Stanton's the janitor, and then Mark Ruffle comes out naked, and he goes, hey, son, you got the condition. Do you want some pants? And that's, like, his entire role. But it's like, oh, cool, Harry Dean Stanton is here. <laughs> you know? <laughs> great performance. <laughs> and in this movie, too, uh, great performance. <laughs> what y'all think about the manager in this? Horrible. Probably uh, the worst actor in the whole movie. You know, people think that Bohe- in Bohemian Rhapsody, when Mike Myers shows up to be like, no one will ever care about Bohemian Rhapsody. That he's like doing an Austin Powers Wayne World joke. But I think he just watched this movie and was like, I want to be that guy. <laughs> well, I hate, one of the things I hate the most about British people is when their accent sounds fake. Like you, like, you, that's what you're supposed to sound like and you're botching it. It's, I don't, because I don't know what his regular speaking voice is like. So I don't know what it is about it, but it does sound fake. I think it's just that he's like, He's over. I, I think it's like he's over emphasizing everything. My so y'all remember the movie yesterday about the Beatles disappear or whatever? Oh yes, <laughs> Sarah and I saw it together. we saw it together. <laughs> Such a bad movie. <laughs> we saw it at the plays. Chicago Film Critics Festival <laughs> where they accepted it just because oh, Danny Boyle must be good. <laughs> yeah, and they also remember they said Adada Arvis was in it too. <laughs> That's true. They did say, and, uh, and we saw it right after we saw Alien. Henry Dean Stanton, Harry Dean Stanton, connections. All right, sorry. That's go true. on. Anyway, continue. Kate, Kate McKinnon plays a parody of like music managers in there, like to the point where she's running after them, screaming like for the love of money and stuff. However, 
almost every movie I've seen that has a music manager is is less subtle than her performance. Hey, Paul Giamatti and Straight Out Compton. <laughs> Why did the, he get the, his the Oscar evil the evil that? boyfriend in Rocket Man? <laughs> the evil. <laughs> the, um, what was I gonna? Sorry, can I just say something really random about yesterday? Also, is that it was the framed recently, and Ed Sheeran appeared, and I guessed mother, so I thought it was Dom Nong Leeson. <laughs> what? <laughs> I felt really dumb when the next picture was of Hamish Patel and Lily James. <laughs> wow, that's kind of that's kind of mean to Dom Leeson. <laughs> Listen, one of them was in Star Wars and one of them was on Game of Thrones. Oh wait. So let me clarify. I <laughs> that's a good joke. I shouldn't like go that joke. But let me clarify. I just realized I did not guess mother because I feel like that is a very distinct visual. I guessed American Made, the Tom Cruise movie where Donald Gleason's like, hey Tom Cruise, I got some missions for you. <laughs> yes. Today is a better movie than this. Even if it is a bad movie. I don't think it's a bad, but I don't, well, you, this is like a completely. Have you guys heard the alternate ending of yesterday? Did we just talk about yesterday? Have you heard the alternate? Like, I'm I'm gonna quote directly from the podcast that Mark never lets me talk about my other podcast. Blank check. Do you guys know the alternate ending of yesterday? It's insane. Does it make it better? Because I really don't. Like I think it makes it better. On that show, they talk about it, and all the hosts just go, "No, no, never tell me that." But I think it makes the movie better. All right, so spoiler for the movie yesterday, which no one here should watch. <laughs> listeners should watch. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's fine. You should watch it before you watch The Rose. So at the end of yesterday, <laughs> Hamish Patel has released all the Beatles songs in the public domain. No one remembers it, but you know what? He got the girl, and they live happily ever after. And then he like makes digs. The other line was like, "Look at you! You kind of. Uh, I hope the baby has like lily james is pregnant she's like i hope the baby has a big nose so it's not like voldemort no he's he says that he makes like a voldemort joke that's all that matters he's like he makes a voldemort joke and that's she goes not in the movie she's not pregnant i don't remember how the yeah. movie ends i'm sorry at the end of the movie whatever happens he makes a voldemort joke and she goes who's voldemort and he goes what you know from harry potter what's harry potter and that's the end of the movie now Which- nowadays sounds great wait 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 wait. <laughs> the alternate ending of the movie is the exact same scene happens but it's lily james saying voldemort and then he goes who's voldemort so she's living in a world where the harry potter doesn't exist and he's just lost <laughs> No, really? that that's an sense. incredible <laughs> I think it's a much better sense. ending because we just make everyone leave the theater going what <laughs> because like then there's a chance that Lily James writes the Harry Potter books and that her character is in a turf so like it's I true. can still read them <laughs> speaking of turfs uh, Bette Midler <laughs> <laughs> focus, focus. No, this is this is the thing that confuses me about yesterday so he does all these crappy covers like youth group leader covers of Beatles songs right and I'll just accept for the for the existence of the movie that those are successful but then he's like I'm putting all of them for free online my dude Napster is already come and gone releasing your music online for free doesn't matter like <laughs> have you it's, that- it's gorgeous he doesn't make money off of it also I will say well, I think that Hamish Patel is a good singer. His cover of Help in that movie is fantastic. 
And that's the one where he's like, I don't want to be like the Beatles anymore. Have you guys seen, you guys know the original script of yesterday was like, this thing happens and he writes the songs and no one gives a shit. And it sounds like a much better movie. But it's in Richard Curtis read it and it was like, well, that doesn't make sense because I'm popular. So, <laughs> so he rewrote the movie because he's like, hey, what do you mean that people wouldn't immediately love you after you write one thing? That doesn't make any sense. I just, all the, it's like, I hate to be like this, but it's like all of the interesting stuff in like the Beatles back half of the career was like the experimentation they did in the studio and stuff. And so to be like, hey, guitar and a capo, don't make it bad. (laughs) Well, I always, my my issue with that movie was always like how he like created the albums just seem like so nonsensical. Like they have these eras, don't say anything about eras, but they had these eras and then, and then it was like, he just was like, yeah, this one and, and this one and this one. And it's like, this one's going to be the White Album. And it's like, this was, I mean, this is like the, this guy putting this stuff out in like a year. Like his turnaround time is crazy. I want to know which ones he forgot or had to like rewrite the lyrics to because he didn't remember. Well, all that's of in the, the movie. I remember it's in the movie. There's a bit where he's trying to remember Eleanor Rigby. And, and that's goes, the best part of the movie is when he's trying to remember the, the lyrics. <laughs> Oh, that makes the movie so much more depressing because if the Beatles didn't record Eleanor Rigby, then Aretha Franklin couldn't record her cover, which goes so hard. She begins it by saying, I'm Eleanor Rigby, which I love. I what musician would you all yesterday or could well, you all yesterday? Remember, I want to wait before we do that. I want to point out that the most recent play I wrote was inspired by yesterday because it was what if it's a wonderful life was yesterday <laughs> which is like what if this really great movie was this bad movie instead <laughs> that's what the but purpose also, of my most recent play was <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay danny who could you yesterday what musician could you honestly Remember, you don't have to be good i could yeah can i just yesterday like hamilton yeah yeah, yeah, I can do Hamilton easily. Yeah, can I, can I yesterday like a, a, a songwriter or something like like a music, musical writer? Because I'm not really into musicians, you know. I'm pretty lame, you know, in that regard. And I think that would work because, yeah, like it would make equal equally less sense for you to make Hamilton than for this guy to make the Beatles <laughs> popular. Honestly, that would the honestly. He stick with me here, but the idea of yesterday happening, but it's Hamilton, but it's a white guy doing it. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> I would agree. Can, all right, we should get back to the rose as much as I like talking about yesterday. <laughs> I would, I would yesterday Percy Jackson. That would be my my answer. <laughs> Why? Like the musical? No, no, no. The if, like oh, just thinking re- like a piece of art disappears. Oh. I think I think I know those books well enough that I could copy them pretty closely. Like, I, I think I could get. I would yesterday Avatar: The Last Airbender. I would mean, you if make it's, it because uh, you know you what the filler? it's already made by two white people, so I won't be stealing anything too. <laughs> I mean, if it's something that you know really well, I guess I would say like the movie, The Princess Bride. Um. If it's a but you can't. Artist. You can't. Rem- 
Here's another Princess Bride. Is Andre the Giant is such like a good part of that movie that I feel bad to yesterday without him. That's how yeah, it works. That's the point. Like you're taking no, remember, out what's though, good about it. What if yesterday, what if in yesterday in Princess Bride world, Sarah's like depressed for a second, then she walks up <laughs> and Andre the Giant is alive. I go to visit him. I go to visit him in his beachside cabin. Do you remember how John Lennon in that movie is not credited? Because <laughs> he's, he's, they got him. They got it's him Robert Car- no, it's Robert Carlyle. No, it's not like credited, Sarah. It's not, he's not credited. They just found him. He's in the film. <laughs> Anyways. If we had Actually, to be a musician, it'd be Johnny Cash. But I don't know. Maybe the stroke? I don't know. But... Then you'd record Hurt and just be another color. It'd be like the the car song. Fast Car, Fast car by Tracy Chapman and Luke Combs. Yeah, but my point is, is that you did, if you did Johnny Cash's Hurt, as like now, it would just be lame. Because Nine Inch Nails would still exist. I think you're forgetting that everything in Yesterday is lame. <laughs> And speaking of lame movies, we really should try to talk a little bit about this I would, I would yesterday bet Midler's career. <laughs> I would yesterday hope it's Hocus Pocus. Hocus I mean, Pocus. <laughs> I would only do Hocus Pocus 2, so nobody would ever know what Hocus Pocus 1 was. <laughs> I would yesterday... Actually, you know what I would really yesterday if I could? I think we should yesterday Indiana Jones. And here's why. Because <laughs> I think that Indiana this Jones <laughs> was pitched as James Bond for Americans, but then they kept casting Harrison Ford instead of just making a fourth movie, mid-90s, of a different actor. Let's yesterday. Sure. I mean, let's try again. I, th- I think the thing that... Chris Pratt is Bond Indiana Jones. Like Action-adventure <laughs> movies, but okay. Troy Baker is Harrison Ford as Indiana Jones. You know what I would yesterday? What? I would yesterday the Sorcerer's Apprentice live action movie, so I got National Treasure 3 instead. Well, I just wouldn't bother remaking point, the Sorcerer's Too bad, Treasure. you got National Treasure Edge of History. At this point, I probably could yesterday the Dungeons and Dragons movie, because I've seen it so much. What if you yesterday Dungeons and Dragons just as a concept, Caleb? That'd be crazy. What if you yesterday roses? You know how bad I am at the rules. <laughs> What if you yesterday roses? Not the rose, the film, just the entire concept of what a rose is. I don't like roses. You would watch Batman Forever and then we'd go like, baby, have you ever had a kiss from nothing? And it would just kiss be a really sad. Kiss from a daffodil. <laughs> kiss from a lily on the graves. <laughs> What's y'all's favorite flower? What's y'all? I like a black eyed Susan. I like carnations. I'm basic. That's fair. I, I I like flour cookies. Boo. <laughs> Guys, to the listeners, the rose has nothing to it. Anything I would want to talk about the rose, I already talked about in our Lady Sings the Blues episode. I mean, she's on drugs. She screams. She has a boyfriend. He hits her. She has a girlfriend. The boyfriend the looks like Joseph Gordon-Levitt. The boyfriend's pretty hot. I'm not going to lie. Do you mean Joseph Gordon-Levitt's um, hot? No. So therefore, you're wrong. Um, she does go to a drag bar. 
Which reminds me of a Star Wars. Interesting. <laughs> the only yeah, movie like, uh, yeah. the only mainstream I mean, movie I've seen the Their whole thing where it's like just one night and they're like hanging out is like a start. Well, I guess a Star is born is like this. But that's that's why I want the whole movie to be. Is credit just to Bradley driving Cooper. He made a better from wherever they are to New York. Like if that was the entire trip, remove the scene at the at the world's worst diner. But yeah, that was that, really bizarre. <laughs> they go to this diner and they're like, all the people are immediately uncomfortable just because they're in there. And it's like, they're just ordering food. Like, they're not doing anything. I guess it's supposed to be a commentary on society because they're like, no hippies allowed. And then they really do. Kind of, they start beating people up, which is like, yeah, then you, you should probably leave. Which, oh, that scene was choreographed so terribly i had to rewind because i'm like wait did i miss the part where he hit him because there's no sense of impact i don't even think they put in a sound did you guys know michael cimino was supposed to direct this i did see that yes he did help on the scripts i wonder what that would have been another one there's another director too right oh ken russell but michael cimino actually like worked on the script a bit and then moved on to do something else Um, sure done a better job well, he made Heaven's Gate instead, which is obviously kind of killed the new Hollywood movement, but also it's considered a really great movie. The new Hollywood movement being killed by Heaven's Gate is like Franz Ferdinand being assassinated. Something was going to start World War One. Something was going to kill the new Hollywood movement. It's just something had was unfortunately the uh, the one to draw that card. Is there anything to talk about with this film? We I spent the say, episode on yesterday. I will say... I'd like to yesterday this episode. <laughs> unfortunately, I think this is probably a pretty good episode. But <laughs> <laughs> I will say, when I was looking at the credits, I saw that one of the reporters, or one of the journalists, was played by Chip Zine, who is a famous Broadway actor. However, I recognize his name because he's the voice of Howard the Duck in the movie Howard the Duck. <laughs> I mean, I recognize Keith <laughs> David. Another movie about musician. <laughs> it's I mean, yeah, unfortunately not Keith David, it's David Keith. David Keith? Wah, wah, wah. Come on, David Keith. You're the lamerage Keith David. Also, Doris Roberts was in it. I think she played her mom at the end. Has Hamish Patel done anything since yesterday? He was in hey, Station he 19. Emmy. Yeah, he won an <laughs> he won, Emmy. He won an Emmy. Okay. He's also in Tenet. <laughs> he's a, oh, you're right. He's in Tenet. I didn't see Tenet, so... Well, it's in theaters next weekend. Which is a week ago when this episode comes out, so... Sorry, listeners. You missed out. <laughs> People listening like, damn it! I was gonna see it! <laughs> I wanted to see Tenet! Here's what I will say about yesterday. Uh, <laughs> it is It is not a good movie, but I think about it all the time. <laughs> I do kind of think it does. It does occupy a lot of my headspace. I don't know why. Because I feel like it's because it's like the last like really bizarre premise movie, you know. Like it just by that I mean like got a big summer slot. The plot makes no freaking sense. We're G-rated podcast, Sarah. Uh, (laughs) Believe me. Um, and it just got released. To theaters as a big deal because it has Beatles in the soundtrack. 
Well, no, because remember, like, the trailer went, like, super viral. Like, everybody was like, this movie looks so good. And the trailer did look good. It also, like, it doesn't make sense as a Danny Boyle movie. Like, I mean, all- Danny Boyle's, all Danny Boyle's movies look, are different. Like, they're all, he's very genre bending. No, but that's not what I mean. I feel like Danny Boyle making, like, a family movie is weird. Because I do think Yesterday at its Heart is a family movie. Like, there's no real conflict in the film. So is Slumdog Millionaire. It's Slumdog Millionaire is a depressing movie. <laughs> so is 28 Days Later. So the 127 hours. Movie, but like, that's a happy movie. James Franco gets tortured for the two hours of the movie. It's a family movie, but like Gen Z and below don't care about the Beatles. So like you wouldn't want to take your family to it. You take your grandma drags you to it. I mean, hey, I went in like excited as a Beatles fan because I don't want to see a Beatles biopic, but I'm like something that centers around them. Sure. Didn't we already have a cross they the universe? Maxwell Silverhand? Which I've never seen. That's not a biopic. That's just a musical. But that's what yesterday is too. Yeah, but yesterday I mean, is like, a musical. Beatles biopics, you have like Nowhere Boy, and that's like pretty much it. I Personally, think- I think the movie could have benefited from having Anna de Armas. Uh, this Universal movie would have definitely. Universal will be hearing from my lawyers. Harry Dean Stanton <laughs> should have been in yesterday. Can we agree on that? What if he played John Lennon? Actually, when did Harry I- Dean Stanton die? He was already. He dead. died before then. Yeah. Then wouldn't it have been incredible if he showed up when he was going to do something? <laughs> well, I mean, if they got John Lennon, <laughs> it's like Danny Boy walks up to him and goes, "Harry Dean Stanton, I know you're getting up in years, so I want to film this scene just so I can include it in an upcoming Dream Project right about the Beatles being disappeared I mean, from history." I just, I mean, what did Yoko think of the Yesterday movie? <laughs> she was probably too busy being on the Isle of Dogs press tour. I mean, I'll ask her next time I see her. I'll see what she thinks. (laughs) Isle of Dogs. I was talking about this earlier, like, who, because people are like, obviously, sorry, you're going to say no, but obviously the answer is, the mainstream answer would be Scorsese. Who's the current director of the best four film run? Um, Because someone was saying it was Yorgos Lanthimos, and I, like, vehemently disagreed with that. (laughs) We'll see see next year when Jordan Peele's uh, fourth movie comes. See, that's what I said. I was like, I feel like Peel's close, and I feel like our girl Marielle's close, too. When Night Bitch comes out, give us Night Bitch! Here's the oh, thing, too, man. is everybody's like, Amy Adams is stooped so low. Like, this movie sounds terrible, and it's like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> like, it I can't wait great. for Night Bitch. Please give it a theatrical release. Get it off of Hulu. It's not. Adaptation it's of a best-selling novel is low now? Like, <laughs> Oh, and I, so everyone was mad at Gone Girl a couple years ago. All right, I think okay, if hey, we're gonna I've not do an episode on the movie, we should wrap up soon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be no, I do have, I what? do have two epi- I do have two for the for the uh, four picture run. I do think Miyazaki should be in there, even though that he was takes mentioned a yeah. lot of time off. Um, and then, does it have to be their last four films? Yes, or kid just oh, okay. I mean, there's um, a lot of people on the three. I said Spike Lee's on the three for me. Right now, I think I think the Coen brothers honestly get close, but I don't think you can have the whole four. Yeah, I would say because Spike like, Wes once he gets past Isle of Dogs, so the next movie because yeah. we can count the Netflix shorts as a movie. Maybe I don't know. I would say James Wan came close, but then Aquaman two came out. Ugh. Oh, you're a Fury Seven fan? 
Well, now you have Malignant, Aquaman, The Conjuring 2. The f- oh, okay, you're saying it came close. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I have... I said Christopher McQuarrie. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, I do think I do think Marielle will get there with Night Bitch. I'm so excited. Think, I'm so excited I, for this movie. I still need to see I Diary of a Teenage Girl, but I'm sure I'll like it. I think Chloe Zhao could have gotten there if it wasn't for uh, Eternals. Depends on who you ask. It's true. True. We did a podcast on that. Way back in Although the even past. then, Songs of My Brother taught me she exponentially improved. I do think there's an matter. argument on the blockbuster stand for Matt Reeves. Yeah. Yeah. But, I can understand that. But anyway, I think we should wrap up the rose because in this episode, because why would we bother going so long? This is a this is a music biopic. It's a star is born, it's the rose. It's, it's fine. It's whatever. You're not going to learn anything. You're not going to have a great time. Watch yesterday. You know, at least you'll get some laughs out of it. Maybe we need to wait for Bradley Cooper to release two more movies. <laughs> and continue not giving him any Oscars to see how low he yes. gets. Give him as many nominations as possible. <laughs> but don't give him never best director. Yes, give him give him and keep playing him when like best original song or we'll take the best makeup win to avoid talking about it. You know, there could be a million people in the room. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sarah, what was the rose nominated for? It was nominated for Best Actress for Bette Midler, Best Supporting Actor for Frederick Forrest, Best Film which played her boyfriend, uh, Best Film Editing, and Best Sound. I guess best sound. I guess. <laughs> See, I was going to give a best Actually, sound. Actually, you know then... what? Right. You guys have bullied me. I'm going to give best actress Beth Midler. I thought she was fine. She's saying good. <laughs> okay. Um. See, I was going to give a sound. But like partway through the movie, like they started speaking really softly, and I was like, "What is this?" Like, audience sounded great, music sounded great. Couldn't understand what they were saying when they were just having a conversation. So by default, I'm giving it best editing. <laughs> no, you're no, Caleb, save me. <laughs> I was gonna low key give it best editing because of the whole the whole all that jazz thing, but hey. If we're if we're nominating one bad performance, let's nominate two. Frederick Forrest for best supporting actor. See, I thought that he was okay, and then the scene where they're in the bathroom and he says something like "Stop that" or like something like that. He's terrible. Beginning of the movie is fine. Like, there's a certain turning point though where every scene he is awful in. I agree. All right, I don't know. So there's a lot to choose from here because yesterday didn't get any nominations, but I do think I'm going to go with Hamish Patel as lead. Even no! Really I'm going to go with Ed Sheeran this morning. <laughs> Ed Sheeran really should I'm going to go for yesterday for best original song. Okay, let's, let's okay. start with the road, please. Harry Dean, Harry Dean Stanton. Like, Sporting actor Harry One Dean redeemable Stanton. part of this movie. You know what? I'm actually not going to give it to Harry Dean Stanton, and I will instead give it to Cinematography. So I'm going to be, 
I'm going to be lame in the dance direction. I'm not giving you a dance direction. But the reason I bring this up, this build up this way, because next time we'll be talking a lot about this award, I think. Uh, I remember right. I actually haven't opened up what the next episode is. I probably should. Um, but I'm pretty sure next time we're going to be talking about this award a lot because it hasn't been made yet. But I think this is the definition of a best hit makeup and hairstyling nomination. Uh, you know, a lot of hair, a lot of makeup. Oh, I really don't want to watch this next movie. Well, it's, it's a classic, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic. <laughs> All right, break it to me. What are we watching next? All right. Hey guys, Caleb popping in here real quick. I want to give y'all an update that between the recording of this episode and the publishing of it, we have gotten together and decided to go on a bit of a hiatus. Not quite sure how long this will last, but uh, if you keep an eye on the feed, we will let you know before we uh, start posting regular episodes again. Thank you for your patience and understanding during this. Uh, We can't wait to get back with y'all and start diving into the 80s. So we will see you then. We're going to the 80s! We're in 1980, finally! And we're watching a classic film. Can I have a drumroll, please? It's David Lynch! The Elephant Man! Should I do the next week's episode entirely in this with David Lynch? I'll be learned. (laughs) You should just go shot by shot and be like, this shot is good. This shot isn't. <laughs> the camera's at the bottom here. <laughs> um, Where's the horizon? <laughs> um, no, so the reason I'm excited, I mean, Elephant Man's fine, whatever. Like, it's okay. But me and my buddy Steven, who co hosts on my other podcast, Star Wars Therapy, we are going through and we're watching every David Lynch movie. And we started with Eraserhead, and our next one is The Elephant Man. So. This is the one time in this whole podcast where I will not have to go out of my way to watch a movie. I will be able to just like normally watch a movie and then roll up into the podcast. That's why I'm excited. Awesome. Uh, I will say this right now. I propose a we cannot pick best makeup as an ad because that was the entire reason they added a best makeup award was this film not getting a special citation in makeup. So. Uh, but we'll, yeah, we'll do the episode next time and talk about David Lynch's The Elephant Man. All right. I'm Danny Vincent. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Blankments uh, for all my takes on all the movies. You can listen to my ever show, Looking for the Ocean, a Pixar journey. Talk about Pixar. It's a journey. I'm about to drop the hottest take of all time on that show. Or maybe I already have. I don't know if the Finding Door episodes come out yet. I'm Caleb Bunn. You can find me at Caleb from the Real World. From there, you can find my other podcasts the previously mentioned Star Wars Therapy, and All New 52, which I do with our editor, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Joe. What would you yesterday? Probably Taylor Swift music. Um, you can find me on uh, Letterboxd, SGK, E-S-S-G-E-K-Y. You can find me on Instagram, SGK29. You can find us, The Snub Club, on Facebook, The Snub Club, Instagram, Snub Club Podcast, and Twitter, Pod. Awesome. We will see you next time with the Elephant Man. Bye. See you then. Bye.